Hey friends, this is Methodist Musing this week, and where we discuss societal and cultural issues through the lens of a cultural worldview. Today we're talking about water beetles that are escape artists and the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. My name is John Duff, and I'm the assistant pastor here at Centenary United Methodist. My name is Chris Morgan, and I am the lead pastor here at Centenary United Methodist in Danville, Kentucky. Yeah, and we love what we do. We our pastors and we get to love God, love people here in Danville and do a lot of fun stuff. So, um, and then we also have Kathy with us. So hi Kathy. Hi everybody. Kathy's back there on the other side of the camera. And sometimes she's not here. That was two weeks ago she wasn't here. Yeah, I had them skip on me. But yeah, she has to do homework sometimes. Even though she's a grown woman with a grown job. She does homework still. So. do homework, geometry homework. Gosh, ooh, geometry. Well, yes. don't forget that your two pastors are mathematics, or mathematicians. I'm not super great with words, but I'm really good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and I can do numbers, uh, or I can do words. Although, some of the, the math stuff, Michaela and I did a project once when, when Melinda was out of town, and we made a 47 on the math project. Ooh, not okay. good. Yeah, so I've decided that Melinda should be okay. the math helper. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, how have your all's weeks been? And if you're watching us online, you can comment on how your week's been, and we want to know how you're doing. But, Chris, how has your week been? Well, it's only Tuesday. It's only I got Tuesday. a great night of sleep you last night, weekend, which isn't always the case. But, yes, I had a good weekend. Actually, um, went to uh, a sh went on a short hike um, oh, down near the Shaker Village, and... That was a lot of fun, and I don't know how, how clearly, because I'm such a white blob over here, but my head has taken a great deal of abuse over the weekend, from hiking without a hat to driving the lawnmower underneath some limbs, which I really need to trim in our backyard, to whatever else has happened to my head, but yeah. eventually we'll get back to normal. Okay. Hopefully by Sunday. Cool. Cool. Kathy? Good weekend. Yeah. Busy weekend. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do anything yeah. of note? Went hiking what? a little bit on Saturday. Just outdoors enjoying this wow. great weather. We all were outdoors. That's good. Yeah. I went kayaking on Saturday with my sister, which was really fun. So that's pretty cool. Where did you kayak? Is the water outside? cold yet? I think it was cold. Yeah, okay. it was a little cold. I kayaked in Georgetown at uh, the North Elkhorn Creek. I think it was mm -hmm. what it was called. So we put in at one spot and we came out the other. Speaking of which, no, <laughs> we're not <laughs> back yet. <laughs> but it was a pretty good weekend, um, and it's been a good week so far. So, yeah, and we had a good Sunday here at the church. Nothing crazy going on. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I have anything else to mention? So, for just said she had a great weekend. Oh, I, oh awesome. I forgot to mention that we have Chris's favorite sound. Oh, so, yes. Chris has a... a is this your favorite sound? It's, it's, it's a sound that makes me happy. It's a sound that really makes him happy, and I decided that we could get it as a feature for the show, and so I, I have a recording of it on my phone so that we can pull it up whenever. So here it goes. So, okay, before we say anything, if you can guess what that sound is, guess what that sound is, whoever gets it first wins. I'll play it again. This is one of Chris's favorite sounds. See, I'm just smiling. I'm listening to that sound and I'm smiling. <laughs> he, he loves that sound. 
Anyone guess yet? Not yet. You know what the sound is? I don't know what it's We're on that 15 second, second oh, delay. Yeah. 15 second delay. <laughs> guess what the sound is? Tell us. It's related to something. Yeah, late bottle cap from Jennifer Clark. There you go. <laughs> That's it. It's Precisely. Bottle cap. <laughs> dropping on the ground so that is one of and as I was looking I actually found another sound that is kind of cool as well so I'm going to play that real quick oh I know what that is that's the uh, that's the socket wrench socket wrench that's just a yes. ratchet wrench I like I just thought that was a pretty cool one but this is that's Chris's favorite have you made it your ringtone yet though? I have that's not the made the bottle it cap ringtone yet but dropping. the bottle cap it does it all surfaces are not created equal. Uh, the, the bottle cap will do that on my desk in my study. The bottle cap will not do that on Kathy's desk, but it will do that on a wooden table that is in Kathy's office. Okay. So that was probably the best place to do the, it. The different, the different surfaces produce different degrees mm -hmm. of, of sound there. Yeah, and I got that recording off online, and that's an okay recording, but there, sometimes you can hear it and it like lasts a lot longer than that, and it's really nice. So I have a bottle cap often in my in my pocket and just randomly yeah. throw it at things. Yeah. He leaves them everywhere around church. Yeah. We should do that. Scavenger hunt for the bottle caps. AL8 bottle caps. <laughs> there you go. So I could imagine for like the Easter egg hunt, like instead of having candy inside, there's an AL8 bottle, bottle cap so you can make the sound. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that's Chris's favorite sound so Hi, Jill. now you know um and i this weekend i talked about kayaking and we put in <laughs> at one place and we came out another place where we parked our car and speaking of that that reminds us of our opening little story that we're going to tell it's I, I, there was a article about a water beetle and the uh the title of the article says these water beetles make their escape out of a frog's rear end after being swallowed. So there's this story, okay, so we're telling this story because we like to tell goofy, funny stories that make us laugh or that are interesting or fun. And I thought this was very strange. Uh, so it, it goes like this. The water scavenger beetle, uh, Regenbartia tentunutita, I don't know, isn't known for much. The family of beetles uh, they're part of can be pest in fish hatcheries as, as they're well suited to human, human tropics. But now this beetle is giving a, a new the clan a new claim to fame, thanks for the ability to quickly wiggle its way out of a frog's rear end after being eaten. So the point of this is that this water beetle can be eaten by this frog, and go through the digestive tract and survive. So. What do you think about that? How? <laughs> that is a constitutionally strong beetle. That beetle. Yeah. And it's like, what, 80% 80, 80 that come out alive? 90% yeah, of the beetles were excreted, ex excreted <laughs> within six hours after being eaten and surprisingly were alive. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says they can... Re they can uh, Escape from apparently there's five frog species that these beetles can be digested through, which answers the question: Is it through like any living creature, 
that this beetle can survive the baby. But, but apparently there's five frog species. Okay. In what has to be one of the weirdest experimental setups they've seen in a while, uh, this scientist took a black-spotted pod frogs, pond frogs, <laughs> placed them in a lab, let the frogs eat the beetles, and then recorded how long it took the beetles to emerge from the other end. And look, they were speedy. Uh, when, yeah, they were speedy, they said, uh, uh, these guys actually actively crawl through the digestive tract. It's not passive. And so they said, oh. one of the particularly prompt bugs got out of there in just under seven minutes. <laughs> so crawling through the frog's digestive tract, he got out the other end, he or she, in seven minutes. Um, most of the time when creature emerges alive like this, from the back end of a predator, normally it's a passive situation. So explain, hold on, you could a few people joining right in the middle of that okay. statement. They're like, what? There's this species of beetle that, uh, there was an article about this week, that can make its way alive through the digestive tract of a frog. And, and come out. Okay. Yeah, make its way out alive and, and not, doesn't just allow itself to be passed through, but actually finds its way actively through uh, through the digestive tract. Yeah. Yeah, it says this... Okay, and we, again, we just thought this was an interesting, funny story. So Jill, Jill says, and they asked him, what is the meaning of this parable? <laughs> the, the meaning of this parable is that sometimes life can swallow you whole. But it is an error to think that you cannot emerge from the other side. Oh, bam! Ooh, I like one. that. And we have to actively <laughs> pursue our own healing rather than being passive and just sitting there in the digestive tract of a frog. We have to climb out. Yeah. Okay, one second. Let me read a little more. It says, but this water beetle doesn't seem to survive if it sits idly and waits to emerge via the frog's digestive mechanism. So again, if it just sits there, it's not going to survive. Instead, in what's being called the first documented active prey escape, <laughs> the little beetle powers through the frog's, you know, stomach, and large intestine, small intestine, until it reaches the end and comes out. The little beetle who could. Yes. So... That is the story of the Houdini water beetles, the escape artist. Um, and Chris already told us the meaning of the parable. So, any questions or thoughts? Good. No, that, Jill says she's impressed. She's impressed. So, mm -hmm. that's what, like I can't imagine what that would feel like for a frog. Yeah, for real. Maybe that would like clean them out. <laughs> Maybe we need to. Do that's, you feel it? I mean, that could be our thing. new like digestive. Weight loss trend fad. No. Water beetle <laughs> eats through your stomach. This is where I have to subject the warning, don't try this at home. <laughs> yes. Okay. But that could be like a parasite almost. But yeah. That's kind of weird. But it said it, it was just those for those five frog species. So that would be neat if it could survive other things. So that would be... I wonder if it's fun for the beetle in there. I seriously doubt it. Well... Yeah, because they said they have to actively, so it's like a ticking time. Like, like they can't just sit life. there. Yeah. Although, apparently they have adapted so that the acid inside the frog's stomach doesn't break them down and whatnot. So, <laughs> anyways. Science lesson for the day. There you go. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, again, Chris's favorite uh, sound. So, uh, our main topic that we want to talk about today is someone big in the, Ameri in the United States passed away. Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg uh, passed away last week, was it? Yes. I don't Friday. know exactly what day it was. What? Friday. Friday. Passed away Friday, and this is a big deal, right? Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg's, like her legacy and kind of her impact on the world and what we can learn from her life and whatnot. So what, um, when you hear of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, what do you think of, Chris? I think it's kind of a, a feminist icon, <laughs> um, but also she's become more than a feminist icon. She's become something of an American cultural icon. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the minuscule figure who nonetheless uh, is able to stay on an exercise regimen who is yeah. unstoppable. <laughs> um, some of the things that I was, I was reading about her, uh, yeah, even after she had chemotherapy, uh, even after she had surgery for colon cancer, even after her chemotherapy for pancreatic cancer, and the day after her husband died in 2010, she was at the court for uh, for arguments. Wow! And actually, did not miss a day uh, in in her entire term until 2018. Dang! So she so, was absolutely determined to continue the work she was doing. She believed the work was. Uh, it, she believed the work was important, and, and yeah. that showed in, in how she conducted herself and plowed ahead even through uh, through hard times. That's cool. Kathy, what do you think of Ruth? Do you have any thoughts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, um, it was a very sad day for me. Yeah. Especially, sure. being, you know, specifically being a woman. Yeah. You know, she's she's an icon. She's a role model. Yeah, absolutely. So, That's what I, I think of, like, this is the death of this hero of... For, for a lot of women, women, she's the hero. There's and a, for, there for are a lot of, all of us, she's yeah, a hero. There are not a lot just of for women. Things that women have now that she yeah. helped so, put in place. Yeah, and it's, it reminds me of, uh, I mean, Chadwick just passed away recently. Yep. And uh, Chadwick, what's his last name? The, the Black Panther guy. Yep, I know you're talking about. Bozeman. Bozeman or something like that, yes. Yeah, but, um, but he was a hero for, like, all of the African-American community because he made them feel like they could be superheroes mm -hmm. too. Um, and so I think Ruth is similar uh, for women and young young girls um, who feel like uh, they can, you know, be on the Supreme Court and have equal equality uh, with men. You know, uh, one of the things she said that I thought was really interesting was she was asked, well, at what point will you be okay and feel like we have women equality? And she said, um, when the whole Supreme Court is full of women, all nine justices are women. And they said, well, that's a little bit much, isn't it? Don't you think it should be half? And she said, no, it's been all men at some point, and we didn't even think about that. We didn't right. even think that's strange. Um, so, um, so that's interesting. I just think she's... Uh, She's cool. She's fights for equality of the human rights of, of specifically women, but of all people. And I think that's definitely needed and important in our day. So um, that's pretty cool. And culturally speaking, it's very difficult uh, these days to separate politics and opinions of people. And, and I was reading uh, an article by David French, and uh, French was was 
quoting this idea that uh, when like-minded people get together, they tend to, to grow more extreme in their positions. And so he was quoting a scholar who said, for example, people who are opposed to the minimum wage are likely, after talking to each other, to be still more opposed. And people who tend to support gun control are likely, after discussion, to support gun control with considerably more enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so the more, we, the more we talk only with people who share our opinions, um, the more problematic it becomes because we're insulated in our own mm -hmm. bubbles. And one of the things I think, when I think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, I immediately think about uh, her extraordinary friendship with Antonin Scalia, um, yeah, yeah. and that that is the stuff of legend, and and so I've, I've put together you know kind of a, a group of of quotations of what they had to say about each other. They were absolutely ideological opposites. Um, so, so, so explain their differences. Uh, Ginsburg leaned as far to the left as Scalia leaned to the right. Okay. They, they were both in their own ways uh, representatives of, of the left and of the right on the court. And uh, you could, if, if you wanted a left-leaning justice, you, you would point to Ginsburg. If you wanted the, the most far-right uh, justice on the court, you would, you would point to Scalia. Okay. And uh, before they were even on the Supreme Court together, they had formed in a lower court uh, this, this extraordinary friendship. And so Ginsburg, which after Scalia died, uh, Ginsburg said that she disagreed with every one of Scalia's theses, but she said he said them in such an absolutely captivating way. <laughs> so she totally enjoyed listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when he was asked why he liked Ginsburg, Scalia said, what's not to like? except for views on the law. And, so, and the, he went on to say that they agreed on a whole bunch of stuff. Ruth really has it wrong only on the knee-jerk stuff, he said. Um, it, and just, just the kindness with which they related to each other. They spent New Year's Day together. They vacationed together. And these are not people who just nod their heads in, in uh, some sort of I acknowledge you kind of way. These are people who actually, uh, the Scalia's and the Ginsburg's shared their lives with each other. Yeah. And uh, Scalia would say things like, I attack ideas. I don't attack people. Mm. And That's some good. very good people have some very bad ideas, he yeah. said. Um, and then at, at his death, Ginsburg said, how blessed I was to have a working colleague and dear friend of such captivating brilliance high spirits and quick wit. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of an epic, legendary uh, friendship that we don't see much in politics now. Um, yeah. of, of people who have very opposing views, Yeah. but they're still friends, which kind of seems almost impossible these days, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so, so what can we learn from this and their relationship together? I really like what, what she said about him saying, Yeah, I, I attack ideas, I don't attack people. Okay. There's some very good people who can have very bad ideas. Mm. I think yeah. I think it's become personal uh, for a lot of people in, in a way 
that has the potential to, and I don't use this word lightly, to, to have some demonic kinds of implications. Yeah. Uh, when, when I feel that I am 100% righteous, and because you hold an opinion that is different from me, you are 100% evil. Um, that's yeah. a very different thing than saying we disagree on important things. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think uh, I, I think this applies to a lot of stuff in our lives. Um, it, it applies to politics and the way we do politics, and we got to realize that, um, you know, on Sunday morning we come together and take communion. There's going to be people who are progressives or liberals, and there's going to be people who are conservative uh, folks there as well. And we all then come together and partake of the body and blood of Jesus together. And, and what that means is we're family. Uh, and, and I think, but I also think beyond that, like more than that, like also it, it needs to affect the way we view like all of our issues and our thoughts and the way we live our lives. As a Christian, I'm going to run into people who are atheist or Hindu or Muslim. And if I just like, oh, they don't believe the same thing I do, I'm just going to write them off. Without really engaging in, in a, a deep and meaningful convers conversation and relationship with this person, uh, then, then we, don't, we don't learn and we don't grow. And I think um, there's such good that can come from having deep and meaningful relationships with people who have differing opinions than us and even completely different worldviews or religion um, than us. And so, Chris, I was going to ask you, do you have any, like, um, do you have any, like, good friends or relationships where there are people that absolutely believe different things than you, uh, but you still have a uh, good friendship with them, relationships? I consider several of my significant friendships that I have collected. Uh, I collect friendships that, that for, for various ways. I love them. I love people, and I love people who uh, who are, are interactive in, in very specific ways. Uh, and many of them are quite different from me. I have a, a number of um, have a number of people who have theology that that is yeah. very different from my own. Uh, I have a number of, of friends who are not believers uh, and there, there tend to be two reasons that they're not believers. They hold to, to a completely scientific worldview that does not admit the possibility of, um, of anything being on the outside of that. The universe is the universe and, and it is by definition all it is. Yeah. You know, uh, or, or sometimes it's, it's less clear than that why yeah. they're not believers. But, but they just they don't they don't find the story of Christianity compelling in the same way that that, uh, that I find the story of Christianity compelling. Yeah. So um, I would say about a third of, of the people that I would consider to be close friends uh, are not believers in the way that that I am a believer. Yeah. And 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 I would really encourage us to say that we can find. We can have great relationships with people that are different than us and believe different things than us. But I would also say that it would it really enhances our own lives and enhances our own beliefs. Because if we're not open to um, someone challenging our own beliefs, then one, I think that's 
it's like it's almost as though we don't really trust our own beliefs and our own thinking. Like if we're not open for someone to challenge what I believe about either politics or about God, then it's like you're like you're too afraid to engage in this conversation. Um, and, and and in our Christianity, we need to be able to because we, we trust God that even though I might not have all the answers, um, I trust that God does and that we can figure it out and I can engage and learn and also if as Christians we are evangelical and so we want others to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ um, if we're not willing to open ourselves up to thinking differently and, and new modes of thought then how do we expect other people to do that because we want others basically we want other people to change their minds and come to you know, new conclusions and come to know Jesus. But if we're not willing to open ourselves up to, you know, learning and growing and having conversations, then the other person is not going to engage in that either. And I think that's, um, I think that's really important as Christians um, for us to do that. So, yeah. And the word conversation is a very important word to have yeah. in front of us too, because it's one thing to have a conversation that is mutually respectful uh, that truly yeah. listens to what someone else is saying mm -hmm. versus a simple statement of truth that I won't be challenged yet. If, if you're if you're not up for a conversation don't frame it as a conversation. <clears throat> exactly. Uh, if you're if you're yes a lot of times I, I remember this this person that came to me one time and she said I want to meet you and she talked for an entire hour <laughs> without stopping yeah. And then at the end, she said, well, it's time for me to go. I'm really glad I got to know you. Yeah. And yeah. Like, she didn't know anything about me. Yeah. <laughs> I knew a lot about her, but yeah. she yeah. didn't know anything about me. Yeah. Um, that's not a conversation. You know, a conversation would be like you and yeah. me sharing ideas and finding common ground and, and also finding ways that, that we may or may not uh, have, have points of agreement. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're talking about the way we engage in uh, conversation. You got a yeah. thought? Jennifer Clark says having friends with other beliefs also gives us the opportunity to witness through the way we live our live our lives. Absolutely, yeah. And that's in, that's important, and and that right. kind of picks up on what you're saying. Um, and one of Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg's quote that I really liked was she said, "Fight for the things that you care about." So we're not saying don't stand up. Right. For your beliefs. That's not what we're saying at all. She's, so she says, fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Right. And so we have to remember, and especially as Christians, that the manner in which we do our uh, fighting for what we believe in, the way we stand up for our faith, the way we engage in the world around us, whether that's through politics or through action, through justice, uh, evangelism, all these different ways that we engage in the culture... We, as Christians, are defined by Jesus Christ. And the way Jesus engages in the world was going to the cross. And he said, this is the way, uh, this is what it means to follow me. To deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so when we, as Christians, engage in these conversations or in the world with a, a stance of, uh, you know, I, I'm fighting back, or... I, I'm the one that's only important. Only my opinion is important. We are not representing Christ, right? Uh, but when we do this with kindness and respect to others who disagree, when we actually listen and when we actually try to understand the other side, that's, 
that's the way I think that Jesus would call us to interact with the world and interact with people who have different opinions than us, right? So, right. Um, I think, um, I think there's there's a lot there. I mean, so. And living our lives as a witness to Christ is, is something that, that we are called to do, and, and I don't think that people are always um, as aware of, of how that comes off as, yeah. as they might be. Um, and this is kind of a pet peeve of mine, but I'll, I'll share yeah. it anyway. Yeah. Uh, I find that Christians are particularly prone to conspiracy theories. Yeah. And okay. and I find you know like people people in congregations um, will will share on their Twitter or, or Facebook feed uh, sometimes some fairly outlandish things, and then. On Easter, they'll share Jesus Christ is risen, and so oh, yeah. like to to put those to, yeah. to put this conspiracy theory kind yeah. of you know not not exactly uh, mainstream thinking with with this is where I base my my faith. Um, I think we, we ought to be talking with the same seriousness. Like uh, if we're going to say the resurrection of Jesus is truth, then we probably want to be committed to truth in every other uh, yeah. walk of, of life, every Absolutely. other facet of our life. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, going back to this theme of we can have deep relationships um, and disagree, I think these meaningful relationships also help us see the, the, the humanity of the person on the other side, because sometimes we forget that, right? Like, we forget that, okay, this person may disagree with me, uh, but there's actually a reason why they disagree, and it's probably based on their experiences they had and their line of thought, and it's not just like they're an idiot. Because that, that is the way a lot of politics is done, you know. I'm one way, I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice, and if you're not with me, you're an idiot, or you're like, I don't know how you could believe that. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't agree with you, right? And it's probably based on their experience. And so what if we tap into knowing a person as a person um, and, and then try to understand? And I'm not saying that means we agree with them, but coming to an understanding through listening, it gives us the ability to engage. And, and that's super important and part of our Christian faith um, and the way we engage. So, um, But yeah, that's, that's reflections on the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. A lot of cool stuff. Do you have any thoughts, Kathy? No, Mort Hoagland says, uh, RGB is a rock star of women and disenfranchised members of society. Absolutely. Great lady. Yeah, absolutely. Which, And back back to, to my uh, love of the epic friendship that she had with Scalia, uh, the opera that was put together. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they went to the opera together a lot, and, and so <laughs> the the opera that has as its as its uh, words, the opinions of Ginsburg and Scalia is is simply brilliant. So you can look that up on Google or on YouTube. So, but that kind of wraps us up for today. Um, yeah. So don't just like hear people that agree something different to you and write them off. Go and be friends with them and develop a relationship and try to understand. And uh, we can be a world that. Um, loves each other even in the midst of differing opinions and 
then maybe we won't go to war about as many things. And <laughs> that would be helpful. And, and I think let's follow the way of Jesus as we uh, agree or disagree with one another. Uh, we still need to follow in the way of Jesus. Um, so as we're, we're wrapping up, uh, we have a couple of next steps for us for um, this week. Uh, you want to start off? We are going to continue on our Wednesday evening Jonah study. Yep. We went through chapters 1 and 2 last week. We're going to go through chapter 3 this week. That's going to be great, and there'll be stuff for kids and youth, so come out. Um, we're doing a camp out on October 9th, so we want you to come and be a part of that. This is going to be really fun. We're going to have s'mores and um, just games, and we're going to show a movie outside on the big screen. So come, set up your tent, bring a... Uh, camping chair to camp with, uh, but it's going to be super fun. We want you to be there. Even if you're not camping with us, that's October 9th. Yeah. Am I allowed to say this is going to be intense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will be intense. Absolutely. Wow. I didn't even think about that. And so, uh, yeah, so I'll let everybody else who's watching think about that for, for just a moment. While I talk about the blood drive yeah. that is coming up October 25th, we want your blood, and you probably want to know, did I feel bad that time in March because I actually had COVID? Part of the blood drive is that there will be a COVID antibody test That's available cool. to mm -hmm. you. And uh, how many people already signed up? We have 12 people already signed up. 12 out of a possible 30. 30. And so. the thing is, if we hit the if we hit the 30 mark, they will open it up and bring even more folks for us. Ooh, okay. And that's, that's cool. kind of our goal. We want to be, we're in kind of competition with another church here in town. Oh. We won't say the name. There's competition. So the friendly competition. So the friendly competition. For your blood. Uh, yes. October 25th. And it's a great way to give yes. and to love people in a time where we don't have a, a right. lot of opportunities. Right. There, there is, because of everything going on, there is a shortage of donations and they are really needing to up yeah. their supply. They need blood. Yeah. For sure. And uh, they're also going to be bringing the power red machine. Cool. So that you can give just the red blood cells. So if you've never done that before, that's really cool, actually. Cool. Cool. Sweet. So blood drive, October 25th. Mm -hmm. Sign up. And lastly, come to worship on Sunday or watch us online. We'll be happy to have you join us either way. 9 o'clock and 11.15, we have a special guest on Sunday. Priscilla Johnson is preaching. Yay. She's going to be awesome. We're super excited because she's retiring in October. Well, we're Priscilla. Not yeah, we're not excited she's retiring. Priscilla has uh, served Centenary for 18 years, and we are going to celebrate that. Um, and Priscilla said, well... Uh, I'd like to say a few words to the congregation, and y'all know that Priscilla is a preacher. And I said, Priscilla, I want you to, uh, I want you to preach to the congregation. And so she is going to uh, bring the word to us on uh, Sunday of this week. And Paul will also be doing some music as well for those yeah, of you who are, awesome. who are. Uh, you probably got my my message already, but uh, her son Paul is going to be following in. Perfect steps. It's going to be a family affair for him too. So, absolutely, what a neat thing. So, uh, join us next week here on Facebook again. We kind of start at twelve twenty, so I popped in at twelve fifteen with the countdown. Start at twelve twenty with our lunch podcast, the Methodist Musing, and so that's kind of what we're calling it this week, at least. So, uh, <laughs> with that, we're going to close out, and Chris is going to give us a blessing. Everyone go with me.
Amen. Good to be with you guys. See you. See you.